if Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's first. Blubbity blah. The blubbity blah. Sending out good vibes. Blubbity blah. Good vibes. Blubbity blah. Good vibes. Good vibes. Good vibes. Underneath breaths of deep gratitude and prayers for guidance and protection. And put on a didgeridoo and shamanic drumming track. Shivers or vibrations and stuff like that. Okay, guys. Welcome back to the Grime Eric Show little bonus episode here for you. Well, technically, it's not really a bonus episode. It's more of a, uh, we want more of you guys to go check out our new podcast, Grand America Outlawed. Uh, we've told you about it a few times. Some of you went and checked it out. Probably a lot of you went and checked it out by now. A few thousand of you anyway. We're hoping to get a few thousand more. So we're going to throw, we've thrown a couple of our other interviews in here, the one with Carpe and the one with Owen Hunt, uh, which is, you know, kind of more Grand America style content uh, already. This one we're going to throw in with uh, Benjamin Grundy over from Mysterious Universe, which, of course, what you're going to think is probably more Grimerica content, but it is not because this <laughs> chat is 100% about uh, the invasion of communism into the West and China's footprint and tentacles behind it all. And it's uh, a very hard-hitting chat about China and the Uyghur mush- uh, Muslims and all that sort of stuff. And Ben absolutely knocks it out of the park. So we figured we'd drop this in as a bonus for you guys. You can listen to this free hour. Decide if you want to go over and check out some more of those free Outlawed shows. Or if you want to sign up for Plus. Um, because we need, uh, we're hoping to get that some more people signed up yeah. for Plus. Some more people signed up to the Value for Value for this show. Signed up for Rockfin. As you guys know, Graham was going to go part-time. But uh, he's now f- uh, not part-time. He's uh, completely unemployed and 100% full-time podcaster narrator. There you go, yeah. And I mean, so just so you know, you might have listened to this episode already, just so people, like, if people see this in their feed and they've already gone into the Outlawed feed and they found some of that older stuff or they've listened to it back then, this is the same interview from before, so you don't have to listen to it again. If you, if, you, if it sounds like it's ringing a bell, you've probably heard it before, but this is just for, you know, a lot of the people that might not have uh, migrated over there yet and give it a try. Yeah, so if you check it out, if you like what you hear, head over to Grand America Outlawed, sign up for that podcast. And, and a big thanks to everybody for like just, I mean, honestly, the value for value, like we never would have been able to build this foundation for me to take this leap of faith, you know? I mean, honestly, this is like and a big uh, thanks to everybody that supported it. I mean, it's not, not like we're there yet, scary. but it is it's still a leap of faith, but, you know. I, I, I'm confident that we're good. We got some books to do. We got some podcasts to make. Uh, I mean, you know, the boats we're booked, are solid. We're booked yeah. solid for like two months on podcasting. So it's fantastic. Absolutely. Grammarica.ca slash support today. If you guys want to send Graham on his way with uh, a little more security in his leap of faith, maybe we could buy him a parachute. Grammarica.ca slash support. We love you guys. We couldn't do the show without you. We wouldn't do the show without you. Don't forget, we're uh, about eight days away from that 500th episode call-in show. Uh, eight years, 500 episodes. That'll be on Saturday, June 19th from 8 p.m. till midnight Eastern time uh, over on Fringe FM Radio. Uh, we'll Four be on, hours? We'll be on our YouTube channel as well. Yeah. You're a full-time <laughs> podcast. This should be nothing to you. I should be the one complaining. <laughs> I can't do it. People call in, please. Please call in. I can't. In. Yeah. We need guests. We need people to talk to. I can't. We can't just ramble on ourselves. Otherwise, I mean, hopefully, make, Joe's is Joe going to be there to help just us? Just make Graham sing. Is Joe going to be there to help us? Joe will be there. Yep. Hey, as long as it's some '80s stank music, I'll be fine. There you have it. Yeah. America.ca/support. 
check out the show notes, sign up for the newsletter to get all that great stuff, and don't forget to check out that 500th episode special. Uh, enjoy the chat with the wonderful and fantastic Ben Grundy over on Grammarica Outlawed. just harvesting corneas from Falun Gong practitioners just as they're alive strapping them down to a table you know sedating them and taking out their eyeballs welcome back to this week's Grime America Outlawed guys we appreciate you listening appreciate you even more if you're a plus member and uh, if you're not a plus member this is the episode you are going to be wanting to become a plus member on uh, we're talking to Benjamin Grundy, probably, as we mentioned in the show a little later, the sole reason Graham and I are podcasting. If if I wouldn't have got as enamored in Mysterious Universe and listened to all their stuff, and we wouldn't have ended up going to the conference in, or the Paradigm Symposium in Minneapolis because of that podcast, to meet them almost was a big part of the reason we went down there. And, uh, you know, here we are. Oh, my synchronicity on how I found him. Yeah. Bumping. I mean, so we talk about that as well in the show. And here we are eight years later, finally talking to him. Because I remember I figured we'd talk a pot, do a podcast, and we'd talk to Benjamin Grundy right away. You know, just. Yeah. And uh, we were able to talk to a lot of people we wanted to right away. But uh, the Mr. Scene guys always had this, like, uh, they just never sort of have an air, an air of secrecy in a way. Yeah, like, they've been good. very. Like, you know. I remember actually before we went to Paradigm Symposium, I didn't even know what they looked like yeah. because they were super yeah. careful about even putting their pictures. I know, online. and we never wanted to either. I mean, geez. So anyway, finally, uh, we convinced Benjamin Grundy to come on the show, and it was fantastic. Like my in my top like three of all time podcasts, listening or participating in. I mean, unreal. Unreal. Yeah, it, it's a mind-blowing conversation. It's it's not uh, what you're expecting from the host of Mysterious Universe. If you if you've listened to Mysterious Universe or if you're familiar with with Ben, um, you probably not. Well, you might if you depending on how familiar with him you are. If you follow his Twitter or stuff like that, you might be a little more familiar with where this conversation is going to go. But if you're just thinking Mysterious Universe, this is going to blindside you because this is you know 100 percent about the influences of communism, the dangers of communism, China, China, the possible occult influence, influences influence, behind yeah. communism. It's just, and, uh, no ums, no ahs, no nothing. Just like two hours and 40 minutes of fucking go, go, go. It was fantastic. It was, uh, like I say, it was in my top five all time interviews for any of the podcasts we've done. And, you know, we were approaching, five or 600 interviews. Yeah. And, and, and we talk about going independent in here 
Because they, you know, we all have to kind of figure out how do we go independent? Because we just got censorship from every every, every aspect here. The swag shop. The swag shop because of anti-vax stuff, I think. or Anti-vax uh, shirts, I mean. I mean, yeah. I got, I got in Instagram posts getting canceled for ridiculous reasons, like stupid reasons. It's not like I'm pushing the limits. It's, a, it's meme stuff that are getting post deleted. I'm and currently uh, kicked off of Twitter. Darren's kicked off of Twitter. I mean, this it's getting unbelievable, and we're 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 not like complaining because we've expected it, and and we've gone independent as almost as much as we can, and we're going to continue going that way. And I think people got to start voting with their money and stop consuming mainstream, whatever the case is, whether it's like an Amazon or Google. There's there's a huge effort here. Well, it's a good time to approach a couple of things because I got we got some flack for moving the chats. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. And, uh, you know, I get it. Discord's nice. It works great. It's then handy. Stay on People can stay on Discord. You can stay on Discord if you want. Here's the thing. We were paying Discord a bunch of money every month to have extra rooms and extra emojis and extra audio quality to listen to music in the other rooms. And we're paying them 50 or $60 a month. And when they start censoring your friends, yeah. it gets to the point where you can't Justify it anymore. Justify it anymore. And it's not just the fact that, oh, we're okay, so it's okay. Well, and what happens the when they just delete they us and just... then we don't have access to all our community? Well, that's one thing. And the other thing is I'm just not going to give those people my money. I know. that's our I know, money. But there's we're... two very good reasons. Which brings us to the next thing is is the uh, – because the other thing – got to say you guys have been great. We didn't get much flack. We did get a couple people complaining a little bit about this – us switching to the no everybody's been fantastic a lot of people came over the chats right away and we're just getting used to that app and being self-hosted it's not as good but it's self-hosted it's not going anywhere it's safe i mean we might even look at it's not using as much data as i thought either so you know we might be able to even expand that some way for maybe some other communities that don't need a whole thing and we got the social you know we're sort of set up for that and, uh, you know, some people were sort of disappointed to see us start the outlawed show and go the the premium model that we did with it. But, I mean, the days of free are over. And we've, and we've put more, we're decided to put more time into everything. So, yeah, we're doubling our commitment for time. We're doubling our commitment for effort. We're doubling our content. And eight years in, we're still very much tied to our day jobs. And, you know, we'd, we need to try something because, um, you know, we need to, we need to self-host everything. I mean, it's just a matter of time until we're going to have to take the swag, probably self-host that at some point too, which probably means actually producing our own swag and stuff like that, which, you know, hopefully doesn't come to that, but it's definitely coming that way for the audio. I mean, Libsyn's going to be trouble. All these platforms, the few platforms that we are using now that we're now switching the whole audio from, we've got the Grimerica 2.0 feed up and running. It's doing tests as a few people subscribe to it and playing with it, and I'm uploading all the new content to it. It's working fine, but there's only 20 people downloading on it right now. So I'm going to increase that slowly, Yeah, and that's where I think we're going to have to spend a bit more money to keep the download speeds up and things yeah. like that. So we're trying a different model, and hopefully it works. Like the value for value one did too. We're not disappointed. We're not I mean, complaining. At, that at all. We're not complaining at all. It's fantastic. Unbelievable what, what we've done, but we what just want to step to it up to the next level, and I don't think we can do that continuing on. That's no. all. No, and, and, and exactly. And, so, and we have the opportunity to try the two different models. Yeah. So we're still doing a value for value show if you do. Oh, and the other reason, because we, 
we're also protecting, we want to do a new feed anyway, so we can address like some of the stuff that we just talked about with Ben here. We don't want to, we want to try and insulate our eight years of all the crazy stuff we talked about in Grimerica, but we can't keep doing that necessarily if we want to go deeper on all this global takeover stuff. I mean, we're living yeah. through this massive conspiracy and censorship is going rampant. And so, the paywall also gives us the freedom to throw some other stuff in there that could cause problems in the free we're throwing for a, we're, various reasons. Exactly. We're throwing articles in there. We read some great articles. Um, the time one's probably coming out in the free feed, but uh, there's some other articles in there, just interesting stuff on vaccines and other scientific studies that, you know, if you subscribe, you get some articles. I mean, we're going to put a few out too. Like you can stuff. listen to an article instead of reading it. It's like pertinent a half hour, 45, word, yeah. an hour, pertinent written word. Turned into audio yeah. so that you can listen to it on your way to work. And uh, yeah, we hope you do. Uh, we hope you do sign up for plus. If not, we got an hour and 15 minutes here, a fucking fantastic conversation with Benjamin Grundy. Anyway, as far as I know, it's the first interview. I know it's the first interview he's done of this sort ever. Uh, he's probably done a few other spots in the past with Micah Hanks and stuff like that, but he's never talked about this. And for a guy that's taken his first kick at the can, he fucking knocks it out of the park. The other thing I wanted to mention, uh, we did switch uh, swag shops. The news. The did we t did we say we got censored from it? We uh, did. Eh, yeah, did we? because of the anti-vax shirts. Yeah, yeah. So Darren basically got a letter saying we're going to check the rest of your merchandise and see. And Darren just said, "Okay, well, bye." Yeah, I quit that same day. Yeah, it's like fuck you. you yeah. Know? So I set up a new shop with a new person. I went through their entire TOS, and I seemed pretty okay with it all. All right. Jeez. I mean, there's not a lot of ton of options when it comes to that sort of thing. I, I mean, I, I am talking with Bill and Ellie about a, an option that is completely offline. That's we'd have 100% control over. The problem is, you know, logistics and, and cash flow, because now if you want to have more than one design, you're talking about, you know, buying batches of each design you yeah, want, no, buying no. batches of each yeah. ad. If you don't have time, we, we of started cash with that. Remember, we started. I used to go pick up the t-shirts we and mail them money. out. And oh my god, we were yeah, losing money. We were losing money. If it was a, if it was a lot, if it was the funny thing was, if it was a Canadian shipment, it was a money loser. Yeah, if it was in the U.S. It was okay. Yeah, it was costing about twice as much to ship yeah. domestically. Oh yeah, our postal, our efficient government. Don't get me started on that. All right, let's get into this. Yeah, enjoy the fantastic chat. All right, we've got Ben Grundy with us of the Mysterious Universe, one of the best podcasts in the world. Probably the sole reason why Darren and I actually got into podcasting. I mean, Mysterious Universe was the podcast I gave to Darren in 2012 that he went through like crazy man listening to all of it and then we were like we got to start up a book and then we bought tickets for paradise yeah <laughs> so thanks yeah. for uh thanks for kicking that off ben and welcome to the show oh thanks so much for having me guys what a, a thing i have unleashed on the world with you two oh with boy. yeah oh my gosh i have to apologize to everyone you've offended that's the list is growing and and, and and the beautiful thing was, was uh, we met you at Paradigm and we met a whole yeah. bunch of cool people and we thought, you know what, like we're meeting so many good, cool researchers and you guys were on top of all this ancient mysteries and alternative history and all, all this stuff. And we thought we could talk about this stuff too. And, and we really looked up to you guys, your quality, your, your, uh, your attitude, your, your, 
you're you're funny i mean it was just like really learning a lot of i mean i can't believe you guys are still going for so long yeah. on all these different topics and not only that you guys are right at that point where you were just sort of transitioning it into a, a business and a livelihood and everything which was just a you know, a huge inspiration, a huge inspiration. So, I mean, it's been a long time since I had was a little bit uh, fanboy on a podcast, but I'd have to say this is one of them, and we're happy to have you. Uh, thanks so much, guys. Yeah, it's a, it was a pleasure to meet you. I just remember you as the the, the two weird Canadian guys with the giant bag <laughs> <like> weed. <laughs> yeah, memory, that, that symposium. Yeah, we had some great conversations though. I, I still remember that, and you know, thanks for the kind words on Mysterious Universe too. It has been a long time that we've been doing this, but when I see shows like like you guys really uh, kind of embracing topics that are outside the mainstream and, and talking about them in a fearless way, I, I feel I feel good that we kind of inspired that because that's what, it, that's what that's about. I mean, that's what Mysterious Universe has always been about. Yes, we talk about you know paranormal things, metaphysical things, uh, strange ancient history, and stuff like that, but it's really about the the thrill of discovering the unknown, you know, uncovering something that isn't, uh, you know, p- part of the kind of zeitgeist of mainstream society. It's uncovering some hidden truth, and you know, I feel like with the direction you guys are going, especially with this kind of sister show you've started, you know, you're really starting to I- embrace that and, and tackle the the really heavy stuff head on. Uh, we we've kind of it's, we've had the same quandary as you guys with starting this show on Mysterious Universe because you know Aaron and I we're not just paranormal guys. Like we talking about a whole range of different things. Uh, you know, we, we love talking about politics here in the studio. We talk about culture all the time, wow. but we've, you know, we've decided to kind of keep mysterious universe as focused as we can. And I'm jealous that you guys have this outlet now where you can just I- I explore some more controversial topics that are going to piss a lot of people off. So yeah, hats off to you guys. Well, we didn't really have a choice. I mean, it kind of, the, we kind of got the you a couple of YouTube strikes, and you know Graham's Instagram posts start getting getting censored. But I mean, and YouTube isn't really a big deal, but it was kind of just it was an eye opener of how perilous it was sort of getting in the directions we were going, especially when it comes to bitching about the government or censorship or COVID or China or communism. I mean. And and we're kind of at the point now where where you know we still have day jobs, but we're still in a lot of ways we're, we're lucky enough to have enough support with Grimerica that it pays all of the bills for Grimerica, yeah. and a little bit more. You know, it, it it offsets our bills a little bit too because we have some home studios and things like that. So you right. know, we were kind of at the spot, especially with with the world and the economy being as perilous as it is as well where we're kind of dependent on this now. And it's like, if we wake up tomorrow and all of a sudden it's gone or, you know, Libsyn or someone else has deplatformed us, then, you know, we're going to be scrambling or, you know, kind of clawing our way back into a system that we're sort of trying to go the opposite way of. So this was the only thing we could kind of come up with to sort of insulate that. And it gave us the ability to self-host it at the same time so that we don't have to really worry so much about what they want to do. I mean, we're still going to use all the stuff that's out there, but we're not dependent on it in any way. Well, you're totally right. The, the path to be able to tell the truth 
is just getting narrower and narrower and narrower. And we're really blessed to be doing podcasting. Like imagine if we had established an audience on YouTube. Yeah. Right? You know, years ago, your whole thing was YouTube. And that now they can just pull the plug on your livelihood instantaneously. There's nothing you can do about it. I feel sorry for those guys who build up, you know, their, their whole following on these platforms. And yeah, then they just, there's nowhere to go. That's the thing with YouTube yeah. is with audio, we have options. Yeah, they just watch it go down the gurgler in 24 hours. And there's, there's not much they can do. Usually they just start another YouTube channel. You know, we're kind of blessed. We've been lucky that this space, like podcasting's always been kind of self-hosted in a way. You always had to host your RSS feed, you know, host your, your own MP3 files. You weren't really relying on some large tech company to take care of your business. So we're kind of, and you're even seeing this in the media now. I think there yeah, was not loophole, loophole. The, the loophole of podcasting, the alt-right <laughs> hole, where they're realizing this is kind of a, a plug, a hole that hasn't been plugged yet. So, you know, Aaron and I, we constantly just say this to each other, like how lucky it's been that we've had this uh, infrastructure that we've set up ourselves that can't really be taken away from us. Uh, but even, even then, as I said, the path is getting narrower and narrower. And the only way to survive it, you've basically got two options. You either uh, give in to the, the mob, you either join the cult, or you have to find ways to be totally independent. Of exactly, the cult. exactly, exactly. Independence so, or join it. Yeah, there's, there's not many. And, and that's going to come in various different levels with, with media like this or with even refusing the vaccine, for example. I mean, it's going to come in your physical life as well. It's like join or go independent, whatever that's going to mean. Exactly. And, you know, in the context of this conversation, we're talking about sharing information. That's yeah. just one aspect of our lives that is slowly getting squeezed by this global, I, I, I like to call it a cult because it really is a cult. If you don't think a certain way, if you don't uh, follow a certain uh, ideology, if you have any kind of um, you know, outstepping of the, the, the very thin political lines, you are an outsider and you will be attacked. And this, you know, business is just one aspect of our lives. Every single aspect of our lives, if this continues, is going to be shaped by this cult. And everyone kind of has a decision. You know, people often ask me, where is this going? Everyone has to make a decision on where they draw the line. They either keep going with it and join, or they actually start standing up for what's true and good and reject it. And, you know, where this goes is actually quite dark. A friend of mine, uh, he's a, you know, connected family friend. He, um, he's not an overly intellectual guy. He's a, he's a gardener, right? Spends his time gardening, but very wise. And years ago, he said to me, I feel like the world is just becoming more communist. And I just looked at him. I thought, <laughs> you are one of the smartest people in the room because you've realized what's going on. You know, he just mows his lawns and <laughs> he listens to podcasts. And he actually had this insight about where the world's going. And the other day he said to me, you know, what's the end point of this? Like, where does this go? Where do we go after this? Everything, we're just getting squeezed tighter and tighter. What's the ultimate result? And I said, look, if you just go back through history, yeah. the result is that you die. You are killed. That is the hard fact of this direction we're going in. If you look through history, if you look at Soviet Union, if you look at even going back to the, uh, the Paris Commune and the French Revolution, if you look to the, um, the Cultural Revolution in China, millions of people die with this ideology. 
yeah. when society follows this, there is no out. There is no, it's funny, you see, uh, you see the socialists online kind of in chat groups commenting on what they're going to do after the revolution. You see people say, well, I'm going to design uniforms for the Red Army. And someone else says, oh, well, well I'm going to you know, work in a shop and maybe my designs will go on the tank. Like they actually think that they'll have this kind of free choice. The free society is what we lived in before. Yeah. What happens after communism is installed is everyone just starts getting cold. Everyone gets killed. And if, if you're not uh, considered, uh, uh, if you're not considered an anti-revolutionary, uh, if you're not considered an alt-right fascist, which is the new term that's being used, you will be in the future because eventually they just come for everyone. The, the, the way this ideology works is it constantly needs to invent enemies, invent new wars to fight, invent more divisions between people. So the logical progression of that is it's only a matter of time before you are a target yeah. and they will come for you. Yeah. So, you know, this is, this is kind of the message I've been trying to get out to people on Twitter is that this isn't anything new. What we're seeing in society, political correctness, uh, kind of this, this new wave of feminism, yeah. cancel culture, all of this stuff is nothing new. It's, it's just old I, communist Marxist ideas that are infiltrating every level on society at, at a scary level that that history doesn't have an example on the the global kind of um ubiquitous coverage of this way of thinking is actually terrifying when you start to realize its true nature uh and so you know when i when i you guys invited me on the show and you said come on to talk about communism <laughs> i was like hell yeah let's <laughs> do this stuff you know i'm kind of like mysterious universe is my day job right i i, I talk about weird metaphysical paranormal things it's fun i love my job but my my passion like that's my day job my passion is actually like i said earlier it's uncovering the unknown and discovering you know what's actually going on discovering the truth and this is the kind of the real truth about the world that people need to wake up to it's that this cult ideology is coming for everyone and um you know, I wanted to know from you guys when you kind of started to understand this, because I get a sense that, you know, you, you Darren and Graham, you've, you, you're realizing what's going on. Like you're actually talking about the topics that are all related to this cancel culture and communist ideology. Yep. You guys, like what, what was the point that kind of, they call it your red pill moment. When did you realize well, that it was off? Well, I think uh, we've been, we've had some advantage being like for me, seeing a, you know a ufo in 1990 and knowing things were off like an an, an unquestionable multi-person sighting in in israel just knowing that okay there's there's mysteries here there's there's stuff that we're that's being hidden that we don't know about and then losing that interest and remind me before we before we wrap this up tonight i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about the synchronicity that led me to you uh, regarding, okay. regarding ufos it's, it's an awesome story but okay. but um but i think we're, we've been we've been blessed. And one of the things that, that we can do now with this outlawed, cause Darren and I would talk a lot about like, we, we can't, we can't keep talking about COVID, but I'm thinking, well, we have to, because this is, you know, our, our, all our topics that we're interested in are blending in together to a war on consciousness and a war on the truth and, and to, to conspiracies inevitably and disinformation and all that. And we are living through like a long extended nine 11 type conspiracy. We have to address it. We have to talk about it. We have to show people what the mainstream CDCs and the, the who's and the, the medias are saying 
And what they're not saying, or like, you know, they're, they're, there's contradictions all over the place. We can help just not by propagating disinformation, by at least just teasing out the lies a little bit. And, yeah. I, and I think in the UFO field, I've been so skeptical of the media. And prior to all this, I've been following the like deconstruction of the media for years. So for me, I automatically don't believe what's going on in the media. So I think we have a bit of a head start. But I noticed that these communities that were on the periphery of, whether it's UFOs or consciousness or whatever, they seem to be split as well because some people are automatically skeptical and they're they're waking up to this and some people are just going the other way like you said even in the ufo field i'm like what what what's going on with you why are you buying into all this stuff because you you should know from the ufo field alone that we're living in a lie in a lot of ways so i mean I, that was kind of, that's kind of my red pill thing in in a sense but when it comes to the contemporary covid uh the real push here with the great reset it was just looking at the data. It was after after hearing friends of mine that I trust read scientific papers and say, this is a real thing that you better be careful of. It's like the 100-year flu. And now, I haven't reconciled how he was wrong or how those papers might have been wrong or maybe that's fine, but it's not as deadly or transmissible as everybody thinks. So we started to just follow the official data. Like, the PCR stuff, the official counts, yeah. the all the law, and then that that just didn't take long to just wake up to all the lies and the propaganda that's coming. You looked things up yourself, rather yeah. than yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I did. I mean, Darren's different because he came from more of an anti-vax background, and that might have been. Yeah, I, well, I called it like almost day one. I was like, no, this is pharma bullshit. And I mean, I predicted a annual shot about 10 months ago. And I mean, I think we're looking at an annual shot. I don't, I'm not going to look at an annual shot, but I think, and my hope is that's sort of where it'll end. It's not going to get mandated or any of the things they're really talking about. I think a couple of people might try and run with the ball and they'll find out pretty quick that there's, there's more financial repercussion to that than they anticipated. Yeah. And, um, and I think it's, but it's going to be there now, like the flu shot. It's going to be there like the flu shot. So it's like one of two possibilities, I think, are in play where it's like they just wanted this annual shot. And it could be a combination of the both, and it could be just the people sort of sort of piling on each other. Mm. But I think pharma's role in it is they wanted another shot. And it's hard to find another shot because you got everything sort of licked and none of the adults are taking fuck all. You got the flu shot for adults. That's about it. Because they were finding a market. I mean, they've had these seminars where they're trying to find a market for vaccines and for pharma. They're literally looking for a market. They're not yeah. like they're not taking a market and saying, how can we make people healthy? They're saying, how can we create a market for this product? Yeah, and I've had my my sort of nose to the ground on vaccines because I've got a couple kids that are nine and seven. And, you know, not too long ago, they were being born and the vaccines were a question. And I my ex-wife was was a very anti-vaccine. So I started looking into it. And I mean, you know, we were a hard no. And yeah. I I just sort of kept going down that road because then it came up was like, well, we're we going to talk about vaccines on the show. And that was like, you know, five or six years ago where we we're like, holy fuck, are we going to, are we going to go anti-vax on the show? And we were like, well, you know, fuck it. You know, you're not vaccinating your kids. You should be able to talk about that. So just so anyway, so I, 
I've been down the vaccine angle, you know, looking at the data. We've talked to Dell Bigtree a, a bunch of times, and I've been sort of waiting for this pharma play for them to make a move on the adults. Right. And as soon as this started coming, I, I was like, this is good. You know, because right in the beginning, they started talking about how it looked like the antibodies weren't going to last. And I was like, yeah, this is going to be the new flu shot. You watch. It's going to be the new flu shot. And they're going to make, you know, another $65 billion a year peddling these all over the world. So it sounds like you guys, you know, it was really the, the point where you started to flip was understanding that the the information that we're being given is is typically part of some kind of propaganda effort. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, 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 the narratives that are woven by the mainstream media are, are often so divorced from the truth that, you know, like, like you were saying, Graham, you, you actually got to look stuff up. You actually have to go to the actual source. You can't rely on these third party institutions to inform you on what's actually true in, in terms of, you know, just, I, I don't want to spend too much time talking about COVID because I don't have the same, I don't, I don't think I have the same, uh, precise knowledge you guys have about what's going on because Aaron and I haven't looked at it in great detail since we covered Judy Mikovits. but where I, I think it would go in a, a she's broader, coming on next week oh brilliant well done uh, where, where I think it might go in a broader sense of the the, the future is a, a kind of social credit score style system that I think we will see uh, attempted to be rolled out in the west it, it'll be a model of what's being done by the CCP in China and if you don't get a vaccine, your social credit score will, you know, drop significantly, which will have repercussions in what you can do in society. So we're already seeing that the, the, the international airlines are all kind of on the same page that if you don't have a vaccine, you can't travel. You won't have access already in Australia. You don't have access to many government benefits unless you vaccinate your children. There's going to be even more of that in the future where your, your social credit score whether they explicitly call it that or it's something else, that will uh, be affected whether you get a vaccine or not. And, and essentially, you know, when, when you become, when your score drops too low in China, you can't even get a train ticket to go to the next city. Like you, cannot, you cannot go to the supermarket, a particular supermarket, and buy food. Everything is done through their, their apps to do transactions. There's, there's virtually no cash anymore in, in Chinese society. So you have to keep up that credit score. Otherwise, you are basically cut off from any kind of, uh, you know, reasonable living standard in society. So that's where I see it going. To, to answer my own question, like that kind of red pill moment for, for me, it, it's a lot less intellectual than you guys. <laughs> my wake up moment was basically fat chicks. <laughs> I, can't, I can't put it in a simpler way. It was basically around, I think it was around 2014, 2015 that I just started to see more and more news items of people claiming like obese people complaining about the oppression of um, fitness standards. Right. And I think one of the moments was, I don't know if you remember this story, but there was a billboard in London and it was for a gym and it was a woman in a yellow bikini posing for this gym business, or it was like a weight loss product or something. And this got banned. And it got banned because it's it's kind of a, a oppressive to people of different sizes. And I just thought, what is this? Like, that was actually my moment where I started to go, okay, I need to actually pay attention to what's going on in society. 
Like I spend most of my time reading about weird UFO stuff. I need to spend more time understanding what's going on around us. And the more I dug into this, that of course led to uh, uh, radical feminism, which is kind of connected to this. And looking into the roots of radical feminism leads you back to to socialism and communism. Like the roots of radical femini- feminism, you know, go back to to, to the uh, Paris Commune and the the French intellectuals who coined the term, and this is then used in uh, the, the basic you know communist idea that society can be divided into the oppressor and the oppressed. Yeah. And once I understood that, I you, you start to see that in every kind of ism that is kind of we're, we're bombarded with by mainstream society. You know, ra- racism, racism was another th- thing, especially racism in America. We have this narrative kind of drilled into us. Uh, it's the same here in Australia. We have the same narrative that the Aboriginal people are incredible victims of this modern systemic racism in society. Uh, the same thing in America with, with black Americans who are the, the, the perpetual victims of this, this racist society and this inc- insane narrative that they're being hunted by police officers. And all it takes is just a cursory look at crime statistics and actual uh, domestic violence statistics in Australia, for example. It, it takes about five minutes of looking it up to realise that this is the opposite of the truth. It's actually the opposite. You know, everyone knows the, the crime stat, like 15% of the population, 50% of violent crime. Like Things like this were just you know, real obvious instances of kind of the 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 old like 1984 <laughs> style of untruth like the opposite of the truth all these things in society that were simply the opposite of truth and, and it made me realize that again when you when you look through history all of these things align with the goals of communism and marxism and you know that's when i started to really take some serious time like serious personal time to understand what it was. So I, I went back to, you know, authors like Solzhenitsyn and the, uh, you know, Gulag Archipelago. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I listened to that audio book right after I, you know, when I really think back to it, now that you mentioned that book, it was, uh, it's probably, I got to blame Peterson. Yeah. Because yeah. It's when I read 12 Rules for Life and before I had gotten into some of his stuff a little bit before that, listening to a lot of his podcasts and stuff like that, Enough to the point that I, I, I listened to like three quarters of Gulag Archipelago. It's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. And everyone should read it to, to understand where this goes. You know, the, the horrible torture that, that, that goes on, the, the system of labor camps, which is going on in China right now and North Korea. I mean, it, it hasn't disappeared from our world with the fall of the Soviet Union. But, you know, when I started to look at, into, you know, Skousen's The Naked Communist was another one. I started to read more and more and understand the, the ideology behind these modern examples. Political correctness, you know, another one. Political correctness is essentially just lying. Like, that's, that's all it is. Political correctness, I mean, it's, people have debated about its origins, but it was widely used in the 1930s in, in Soviet Russia. Originally, political correctness was kind of a joke. You know, it was pointing out that when something was politically correct or to say something is, is true, you have to be politically correct, which means you have to follow the party's truth rather than the actual truth. 
You know, right. it's this kind of, kind of joke where people knew that it was bullshit, but you had to follow the party's truth. You know, political correctness has basically overtaken our society where people will just essentially follow along with lies for the sake of it. It's infected almost everything. And, you know, the more I kind of read about this, the more I started to understand what communism actually was, what Marxism actually was. And I think it's a mistake to think about communism as just a political ideology or an economic system. Yeah. Uh, to think purely in terms of the workers seize the means of production, we're going to redistribute wealth in society, and this completely retarded idea that we're going to have this egalitarian utopia. I mean, obviously, it doesn't work. I mean, history has demonstrated this purely from a, a, an economic perspective. It is the dumbest thing ever. People have a um, motivation by profit. The egalitarian, you can't have absolute egalitarianism. It doesn't work unless you have uh, complete control over people's lives, which of course is tyranny. And it's just a complete disaster case. We also see this with um, kind of the hate for the rich today. This this idea that, you know, we even see this with the, the modern GameStop stuff where, you know, people are all happy that the, uh, the big business has, uh, you know, been stopped by all these people buying up GameStop, right? And these, um, you know, these short sellers have basically been squeezed out by the, the revolution of the people fighting against the rich, even though that might be a, like a noble cause, like the, the elites, obviously, uh, you know, they, they have a, a lot to answer for in terms of rigging financial systems and, 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 and taking advantage and, and not playing by the same rules as everyone else. You still see this ideology mixed in with it. You see terms like eat the rich, you know, fuck the 1%. This kind of idea that just because someone is wealthy that they've taken it by um, immoral means. It's a label again, right? Pigeonholing people, yeah. Again, yeah, it just divides people into, uh, you know, oppressor and the oppressed. Um, we, We see this when you look at, the Nazis, for example, this is precisely what Hitler did. He created the oppressor, the Jews, and the oppressed, the German people. It was the same with uh, the Soviet Union. They divide it into the, the bourgeoisie and, and the workers. It was a division of economic classes, the oppressors and the oppressed. Uh, in China, it's interesting because they did the same thing with the classes. But if you look at communism, and this is something that we see in modern society, the Oppressors and the pre- oppressed are just constantly divided endlessly, you know. And this is where the left starts kind of eating themselves. You know, we see this with the the um, transgender mafia, like the, the LGBTQ plus mafia, where this is endlessly divided. This oppression. At first, it was okay if you were gay, you were kind of top of the table of oppression. But now that's not okay anymore, especially if you're a gay and a white male. Now you have to be like black and trans and in a wheelchair to be on the top of the oppression table. Well, don't forget now they've got PTSD and, and uh, bipolar in their, in their handles. And, uh, you know, there's a long list of, of things. Yeah. It's just constantly creating this, this new enemy. And again, going back to the major goal, the goal is to tear out the, uh, general, the, the, the general goodwill people have towards each other. The goal is to, um, get people fighting against each other, to stir up humanity, for humanity to constantly struggle against this oppression. It's just an endless fight that 
essentially destroys human beings. I mean, we we lose our morality, we lose everything that ties us together, and and in the end, we're we're destroyed by this kind of thinking. So, you know, where go ahead, guys. I feel like you had no, a question. No, 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 no. Finish your thought, and then I'll ask. But uh, where where this started to you know take me in terms of understanding how this this thinking infiltrated the West. I mean, we could spend hours talking about, uh, you know, the history of the Soviet Union, the Cultural Revolution in China, uh, and how this ideology was used to kill, what's, what's the tally now? A hundred million people that have died from communism. The Western infiltration was a little bit different. You see, in, in the East, they use violent revolution to instill this, these communist goals, right? To, to completely destroy uh, everything good about humankind. They use killing to um, to intimidate uh, fear, to make people follow their way of thinking, it's essentially that's that's how it's done by killing millions of people. The Western infiltration is very very different. In the West, communism took this hidden approach, and that's why so many people are fooled by it today because it's been slowly infecting our institutions and our way of thinking. Yeah. Now, this hidden approach took various vectors, and I find this. Like from a, you know, like a conspiratorial research perspective, this is so fascinating. There's a couple of major societies and you know, groups of thinkers that spearheaded this infiltration into the West. One of them is the, the British Fabian Society, which was founded in 1884. Now, what I want you guys to do, I, I presume you got your computers in front of you there, is do a, an image search for the original coat of arms of the Fabian Society, and tell me what you see. Okay, that's your job, Graham. <laughs> Come on, pull that up, Jamie. So I gotta feel like uh, because I shared a meme there a little while ago that was like that face you make when you find out you lost the Cold War. Is that? I mean, that's got to play a role. I mean, there's a couple Soviets that are on record talking about how they're not going to beat America with guns or bombs. They're going to beat them by infiltrating their educational systems which which is kind of this this sort of this problem or not this problem but it's this weakness with a free society a unique weakness to a free society that that's going to have open borders and allow travel and i'm i'm not i'm for all that stuff i want to be able to go to australia and visit ben and i want to go to the u.s i love it down there i want to travel all over the place right but the problem with that is that these closed societies that might not have your best interest in heart and have, you know, like, because our systems are based on, well, I mean, they're supposed to be based on, they're not really, because it's not a fair system, but still, it's, it's still more fair than any place else in the world, where it's sort of based on, on merit. And the harder, the harder I work, the, the better I'll do. And, and, um, but I have extreme limitations on my resources doing that. Whereas someone who comes in as, say, a Soviet or a CCP spy, which is not a hard thing to do in Canada or the U.S., I mean, it's not hard to get here. You just hop on a plane and get here and then just not leave when you're supposed to and no one's going to notice, especially if you <laughs> don't have to get a job because yeah. that's where they kind of hinge it on is, well, when we'll get them when they have to get a job. Okay, well, if they have fucking a bunch of state resources, they don't need to get a job and maybe they're just going to start a business. Or, you exactly. know, X, Y, and Z, and, or maybe they're going to start a fucking tech company and it's going to slowly become the main tech company because, you know, it's got unlimited resources. Exactly right. 
Did you find the uh, coat of arms? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty creepy, but I think it's, uh, is it a wolf and a sheep tied together? Exactly. It's a literally a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah. Like these people with their secret subversive society could not be more out there with their true intentions. Oh, it's like it a wolf for the sheep strapped to his back. <laughs> literally a wolf in sheep's clothing. This Fabian society, again, founded in 1884, they, they realized that they wanted, uh, that violent revolution wasn't going to work in the West, right? This was Marx's idea that he originally foresaw that when capitalism reached its end stage, that socialism and then communism would naturally take place, like the system would fall apart and then those systems would take its place. That didn't happen. What capitalism did was bring incredible wealth and prosperity to the world, <laughs> like never yeah. seen before. It's an incredible thing. You know, this freedom and free trade uh, was an incredible thing for people's um, wealth and, and prosperity. And I would argue that the worst part of it is that the, the worst part of it is that, is, is that there's this twi- tinge of, of both a, a tinge of socialism for the rich and then there's also this other sort of tinge of fascism that no one wants to call fascism because we don't call fascism what it used to be anymore. And that's another thing that we noticed in Canada, maybe before some people in the States are. And, I, and I'm interested to hear your opinion on this. I'm sorry to sidetrack you. But like in Canada, I noticed a long time ago, and I especially noticed when I first went on my road trip down to the States, which was, you know, four or five years ago now, I went down down through the Pacific Northwest, went down to the coast and back into California and came back. And, and, and you hear how corporate America is and, and blah, blah, blah. But what I quickly noticed is if I can drive across Canada, like I drive from here all the way to Toronto, and that's, that's going to be probably, you know, a 40 40 hour drive, 40 hours of drive and stop in. And every little town, I, every, you know, little town I go into, there's going to be three different kinds. One, one of three types of gas stations, one of two types of coffee shops. And then as they start to get bigger, there's going to be a Staples and, you know, there's going to be the five main restaurants or six main restaurants. And, you know, there's like 10 of them. If you really scale it up, if it's big enough, I could, I could, you know, with a little work, Graham and I could write down on a piece of paper exactly what those 10 restaurants are going to be. And, and the way the fascism creeps into it is like, They've just opened a new business park not far from where we are here, maybe 10 minutes. It's, I won't say what it's called. Anyway, yeah. um, they've opened up this new business park. And part you could go right to their website and look to try and lease. And part of the stipulations there are if you're not an established chain, fuck off. Wow. We don't want you. So yeah. you're not, I can't even go rent there if I don't have a Staples or a Starbucks or a Tim Hortons or a fill in the blank. And that's, as far as I'm concerned, that's fascism because now the state is deciding who can operate. Now, if I want to open up a coffee shop in my little town, they're going to say no because there's already a Tim Hortons and a Starbucks here. And even though it's the same guy that owns both and he's, <laughs> you know, it's like, that's the rule. Well, you know, there's, we got to get a, approval from the city council to open a coffee shop. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fucking bullshit. And I mean, down it's- in the States, it's not like that. In the States you go, I can go from here to California, never get the coffee at the same fucking place twice. Yeah. I mean, this is what we're seeing, you know, to sidetrack again is, is w- with COVID, the businesses that are actually making money, right. are the, right. the major, major, massive international corporations. I mean, yeah. it's getting to the point where 
there, there will be literally five places where you can buy things. Uh, and I think this is part of the goal because it, it starts to form a, a controllable centralized economy, which is <laughs> communism yeah. or, or always done. Um, and, and just to go back to uh, this, you know, talking about fascism, uh, you know, it's something that people don't understand is that this idea of the, the left and the right, you know, the extreme left and the extreme right. It, it's mostly a lie. I mean, the, the National uh, Socialist Party, the Nazis of Germany, it's, it's, it stems in communism. The, the origins of that ideology are Karl Marx and communism. You know, if you look at the start of fascism, you have to go back to Mussolini. You know, Mussolini basically realized that, you know, because the, the whole idea with the international communists was that people were going to rally under the ideology. They were all going to come together in this world utopia under the banner of communism. But what, what actually happened is that they started fighting with each other, like the communists actually started fighting with each other because they generally started to rally within their own nations. You know, they rallied under the, within their own people still. And what Mussolini did was he saw this and realized that, okay, for this to work, we need people to rally around nationalism. So he took the ideas from Marx, he took the ideas of communism and bound them up into this, you know, that's why you have the, um, the symbol of the, the sticks being wound together. It's people being bound together under the, the, the symbol of nationalism. That is still communist thinking. They still do everything that communists do. Um, you know, Mussolini, you know, named the oppressor as did Hitler by naming the Jews as the oppressor. It's it's still kind of rooted in the same ideology. It all stems back to communism and it all has the same goals. So, you know, in in speaking of that, if you go back to the the Fabian Society, where I've just got you to look up this wolf wearing a sheep's clothing, well, what's why am I bringing that up? Well, the Fabian Society is one of these examples where this this thinking has basically been injected into Western society. Now, these guys are very still much focused in Europe. They, they influence European politics, European business, European civil society. But there is a connection, of course, with the Commonwealth. Uh, Pierre Trudeau, the, the father of your um, completely horrible prime minister, was, um, was a, a Fabian socialist. You know, he, he was... was trained by Professor Harold Lasky, who was the head of the Fabian Society. And this kind of thinking uh, has infected uh, the Commonwealth countries as well. So basically what the Fabians wanted to do was slowly uh, inject uh, socialist ideology into every aspect of Western society. And the reason that their coat of arms was originally a wolf in sheep's clothing is because they would never reveal their true goals. Turning the West into a communist utopia was their true goal and is still their true goal. This is why in the UK you see that um, the Labour Party is just completely rooted in Fabian socialism. <laughs> uh, in, in the America, for example, you have the other kind of, not secret society, but society with similar goals, which is the Frankfurt School. So again, essentially what they realised, what the communists realised was that tearing down capitalist societies, the, the kind of high-achieving capitalist societies with violent revolution wasn't going to work. And the, the reason for that is in America especially, people still had very traditional values. People were believed in... Yeah, they believed in um, you know, helping one another. They had good moral qualities. They, they realized that tearing this down 
because communism needs to tear down religion in order to achieve its goals. It, it needs to uh, destroy humanity's connection to true true moral origins to instill their utopia. They view uh, all those things as a barrier that is kind of oppressing humankind. They really do need to destroy God. And they couldn't do this in America with violent revolution. It just wouldn't work. Americans would reject it. So what they did is there was a meeting, I think this was in the 1930s, and you had all the major players in uh, you know, European socialism and communism. You had the Bolsheviks there. Uh, you had Lenin there and all these thinkers in Germany. And they basically said, we need a new strategy. So they formed this uh, kind of school in, in Frankfurt. And the short name for it is, is the Frankfurt School. Now, before World War II, these guys moved. <laughs> they embedded themselves in Columbia University. And their thinking and their ideology from that kind of vector has gone on to influence every major institution in American society. Uh, they infiltrate, infiltrated academia. They infiltrated education, obviously. They, they have influenced greatly the media, um, uh, Hollywood, for example. The Frankfurt School uh, influences economics in a major way. So there were these kind of hidden vectors that were injected in Western society. Again, this wolf in sheep's clothing strategy. So what we're seeing today with the kind of, you know, when people just on a general level realize that the world is falling apart, that people have lost their virtue, people are, are not following the old, uh, you know, moral directions of, of, of our forefathers, where there's endless struggle and fights in society. This is the result of their goals. This is what they wanted to achieve. The goal is to destabilize American society by attacking and destroying all these old institutions, by inverting everything, by turning right into wrong, turning left into right, turning men into women and women into men. This is essentially what they've been trying to do. And, you know, you just, it doesn't take a lot to look around and realize they've achieved a lot of their goals. Don't you guys agree? Oh yeah, hundred percent. So it it reminds me of hearing about Solinsky's stuff, where you know you, you you accuse them of what you're doing yourself, which is so blatantly obvious right now. I mean, you, you just see that Time article of the shadowy cabal protecting the election. I mean, are you kidding me? They put it right out there for everybody to see, and they just call it they they call it the opposite of what it really is, and everybody buys it. I mean, it's just the propaganda is so thick. Exactly. Ilinsky in the Rules for Radicals, uh, you know, he, he came out with this, this stuff in the, like the 1950s, 1960s. Essentially what Ilinsky did was tear down a lot of the, I guess, kind of, uh, what's the idea? The, the kind of attractive, eloquent side of the communist utopian ideology and just reduce it down to, we need to take power by any means necessary. Right, right. Lie, so, cheat, steal, whatever. So exactly. what, how does Tavistock fit into all this then? Tavistock, oh man, Tavistock is another one of those vectors, yeah. but I, I haven't done as much research into Tavistock. I do have a couple of books on it, and it's interesting how Tavistock is connected to the whole transgender movement. Yeah. Because the, the Tavistock Institute, um, you know, they do a lot of the uh, psychological evaluations for children to become trans, and the wow. statistics 
around are, are insane. Like you can go back even five years and it, I think in the UK it's like you would have 97 uh, recommendations that they gave for you know, like surgery or hormones for children and now it, it's, it's just in the thousands, like the thousands and thousands of children they're recommending uh, to become a, another gender. So, yeah, Tavistock, my knowledge base is a little bit weaker on that, but, uh, you know, that's totally in the same kind of, it's in the same genre of yeah, this. That's yeah, it feels like a more of a contemporary version of the Fabian, like maybe more uh, Western or U.S. centric or, or more contemporary. But, but I do want to delve a little deeper into some of that, that stuff you were just getting into there as well from the occult side, but maybe we'll save that for a little later. I think Darren's got a, a question there. Oh, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> he's still looking up uh coat of arms from these these oh, it's, it's, it's unbelievable i mean that's the, so that kind of gets into the revelation of the method i mean why would you do that like what why why is that such a popular thing now they're they're whether it's the cdc or the who reversing decisions or talking out of both sides of the mouth or whether it's this time article about them what they what they've done like basically disclosing what they've done but calling it something different or whether it's about the fabians and their wolf and sheep clothing like why are they revealing what they're doing well in the end i mean this is where alinsky was kind of one of the the key people to say we don't reveal our true intentions right it, it you, you kind of see it where eventually they can't help themselves i mean <laughs> we we saw that in the the times article talking about this uh, what's the, what's what are they what's the uh where they bolstered the election you know they yeah. reinforced Protected it yeah reinforced it right they, they they you start to they start to reveal their hand eventually um it's just it's just kind of in their nature to start boasting about their evil um you know but go, going back to the the frankfurt school that when they infected uh uh columbia there, there was this interesting guy, and it's, if you look at the history, because I always like going back to the history and, and tracing the origins of these things, because then you can actually see how it's played out and, yeah. and its true goals were. So in terms of those infections into the West and America especially, a lot of it goes back to the, the swinging 60s, like the, the hippies, you know, this, this big cultural movement that swept through the country where the youth of the day were essentially trained to become revolutionary and the whole like with all the whole hippie uh kind of ideology you can really boil it down to just rejecting authority right. and again comes back to marxism and communism it's destroying the old ways it's destroying the old foundations of society and liberating yourself to the new utopia and this key member of this was herbert marcuse and marcuse was uh this this kind of this weird intellectual who was really seeding a lot of these ideas in the swinging 60s. And what he did was he took Freudian pansexualism and combined it with Marxism and kind of spewed out this sexual liberation movement. This is why there was so much free sex in the 60s. It came from a lot of his ideas. He basically believed that your, your nature is being repressed in a capitalist society and it's being, uh, your, your freedom is being hindered by the old uh, traditional religions. It's being hindered by morality, order, authority. And you need to transform your society into a utopia to achieve effortless pleasure, like limitless pleasure. 
So again, a lot of this stuff is kind of, and this is why I always say that the communism is kind of this evil force because what it's doing is it's it's removing, you know, things that are really high uh, morality in human beings. Like one one thing that would make a, a person a, a truly, you know, adm- admirable person in my mind is if they have great restraint, right? They have great forbearance and kind of controlling yourself and not giving in to every desire and whim you have is a pretty basic tenet of being a uh, a person with forbearance, a, a person who can control themselves and and keep their emotions and desires in check. This was thrown out the window by thinkers like Harbert Marcuse. They argued that you needed this kind of revolution and any kind of restraint was was some oppression by society and you need to tear it down. So this is this is why we saw this kind of <laughs> swinging 60s and the tearing down of society. And again, to trace that path through history, you see all these hippies eventually who have taken on all these Marxist ideas and crazy utopian ideas. They just re-enter mainstream society. Like eventually they get jobs, you know, they get the university degrees. Yes. Exactly. They become <laughs> in academia and they start teaching the next generation all these ideas. And so you know, this is where it's like the plan of these societies was put into motion and they were incredibly successful with it. You can go back to, you know, you know, the guy Yuri Bezmenov, this great video, this former KGB agent who defected in the 1970s. He pointed out that if you go back to the KGB's budget in terms of spy operations, right? He said about, 10% 10% of it was to traditional spying, like gathering information, you know, uh, infiltrating foreign countries, uh, institutions and government. The 10% of the budget was for that. What was the other 90% of the KGB budget spent on? It was ideological subversion. It was destabilizing Western society. It was trying to... Uh, essentially instill these four stages. So Besmanov spoke about these these four stages of subversion. There's demoralization, destabilization, crisis, and normalization. So the, the first step, demoralization, is where you're subverting the perception of reality. Like you're trying to demoralize the enemy country. And to subvert the perception of reality, you might say that men can become women, for example. Or, you know, that the, the genders are the same. There's a million ways you can do this. You turn right into wrong. You turn up into down. Everything's backwards. The second stage, destabilization, this creates social chaos. And, and, and we see this with, you know, just very simple things like uh, one example, and I know I keep harping on feminism, but I think it's an easy one to point out, is this led to more divorces in society, right? This kind of liberation, especially you saw this in the Soviet Union, the Bolsheviks rolled out this idea of wife swapping as soon as they got power because sexuality was oppressed. And you just see this massive influx of divorces. And eventually, because there's so much free sex going on, you have all these unwanted babies. So even the the Bolsheviks, even the Soviets, had to shut down that eventually because they had all these unwanted children everywhere. It got to the point where uh, Stalin eventually gave uh, the, the, the soldiers the free reign to shoot children in the streets as young as 12. Wow. So 
street children. They could just shoot them and kill them. This is how they dealt with the problem. They realized that they had created their own social chaos in their country. But now this we is just, now we just abort them and sell the parts. Exactly. You didn't have the technology back then. Now you have, um, you know, contraception and you can just murder babies in the womb. But you can go to this in the United States and you can see how after this revolution, this hippie revolution in the 1960s, you just look at the stats. Like you look at uh, marriage uh, or having children out of wedlock. It was like 10% back in the 1950s, 1960s. And then just over the decades, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I, I don't know the stats now, but you know things like uh, fatherless rates as well, uh, uh, single parent families. I think in the, the black community in America, it's something obscene. It's like 80%. 80% of children grow up in a, a household with a single parent. And of course, this leads to a uh, higher uh, probability of being a criminal, a higher probability of violence, mental illness. Like it just destroys your life. If you grow up with a broken family, it has major implications on society. So this, this the communists realized that, oh, we, this is a weapon. We can create this social chaos. So that's the second stage. The third stage is instigating a crisis that leads to a civil war. Now, this, this third stage, I wow. mean, immediately when I think of that, I think of COVID-19. Yeah. Right? This is the crisis that leads to revolution. Right? You can argue that it's, it's just instilling more control over society, but these crises are always uh, instigated because the communists want civil war. The communists, like China, wants America to have a civil war. They want Texas to secede from the Union. They want Americans to fight from one another. They want this, this violent revolution, this, this violence to take place. And the final stage is the normalization, where it, it ultimately brings the country under the control of the Communist Party. So if you want to look at many countries in the West, we're kind of, we've, we're in our social chaos. Like we've had our social chaos. We've got yeah. society falling apart with, um, you know, all the, the tenants that you could measure a, uh, a prosperous society just kind of falling apart, whether it's mental illness, prosperity, yeah. you know, drug, yeah, great point. Drug use, um, you know, mental, mental illness, all that stuff. It's just the, the worst stats we've ever seen. We, we have social chaos. So now we're getting to the point where we're, we're going to see our civil wars. We're going to see our crisis in society. And the step after this, the fourth and final stage is the complete control of the Communist Party. And that's the normalization. That's when this is all normalized. Uh, and we're, again, we're starting to see various parts of these stages play out in society. Like with COVID, for example, I mean, how, how disappointing is it? that It's almost like people have forgotten what it's like to live a normal life. You know, it's a, the new oh, yeah. Norm, yeah. You hear this and the new normal going out and getting permission to go somewhere getting permission to fly somewhere in Australia to see your family because the government can tell you to, to shut up and stay home at a moment's notice. The acceptance of this, it's like it's, it's starting, it's, it's been normalized and people have kind of forgotten what it's like to have true freedom. Yeah. And I'm not saying that COVID is a kind of weapon that was you know, made in a lab to, to cause this, but the people that want this goal, they will absolutely use it to achieve that goal. Exactly. Exactly. It doesn't even matter really where it came from. It's, it's just being completely abused. Yeah. 
So I love the way you go back and look at the history because I've been I've been sort of saying the same thing. I was just talking to somebody who will work about it. I mean, you just go back not too far. Like I grew up thinking, oh, societies has changed. We've got over the wars. We're not like that anymore. We've learned. But then you look, you start learning about all the false flags and every war that the West has been in is based on a lie. And and before that, like the the examples you used of of communism, you know, in Russia or China and. And then, and then even before that, I mean, there, there's always been conflicts and wars and, and genocides throughout history. So why, why do we think we're different? I mean, we're not any different. We just have technology and we think we are better, but you know, it's, it's, that's where it gets kind of scary. The genius of their plan. I mean, part of their goal was to completely subvert education. And the, the brilliance of this is that the next generation who was gone through uh, this kind of dumbed down uh, Rousseauian Marxist education where they fail to think critically. They don't learn about the true history of their culture, of yeah. the, you know, the greatness of the West. They're not taught these things. They, because they uh, are spat out of this education system without the ability to critically think about things in a, in a deeper level, they don't see <laughs> what's actually happening. So you've got an entire generation of people you can even argue multiple generations who don't have the ability to observe what's happening in reality. Like they, they cannot see this, this kind of ingenious plot. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and soon it won't be, and soon it won't be that they don't see it. They won't be able to see it because it'll be gone. I mean, it, it, it'll be, it'll disappear with censorship and with the rest of it. Oh, and you look at the surveys with the, you know, the young generation, it's something like over 50% believe that socialism is good. You know, people yeah. believe, people still actually believe that resources should be redistributed. You know, this was a big wake up call for me as well, because our tax rates are so high in, in Australia. And, you know, this is another thing. It's like, yeah, violent revolution happened in the East, in, in China and, and, and Russia. They violently come in and just take your stuff, right? <laughs> the government kills you and takes your stuff. In the West, that didn't happen. The way they're doing it in the West, the way they've done it in the West, is to install high tax rates, which is essentially achieving the same thing. It's, yeah. it's redistributing wealth. It, it's taking from those who earn and, and giving it to people who don't. Uh, it's it's a, a fundamental goal of this this kind of egalitarian uh, Marxism, and another example I saw recently, which which got me in trouble last year with the the Twitter Nazis, and I and I say that as in the uh, the, the leftist freaks who have bios uh, <laughs> the pronouns in their name, and whenever they attack you, you always uh, read their bio, and they 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 usually um, got some kind of communist hammer and sickle somewhere. <laughs> they always follow Bernie Sanders. Uh, they're just, it, it's just so predictable that these are the, are the people that attack you. But I got, I got attacked because I retweeted a video during the Black Lives Matter protests. And it was, you've probably seen it. It, it was a bunch of black people uh, standing, uh, I think it was under an, a, a shelter or something. And there's just like uh, nearly a hundred white people on their knees and bowing down in a kind of uh, led prayer about how they're the oppressors and how sorry they are. And I just saw this and I just said, you know, wokeness is a cult. Like this is a, a mind control cult. 
These people are not thinking for themselves. And later on, uh, I pointed out that this was exactly like a struggle session from the Cultural Revolution in China. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's precisely the same thing. Like you can look at, you know, these instances of white people prostrating themselves and admitting their guilt and their sin of whiteness. You can go back and you can actually look at footage from the Cultural Revolution in China of people doing exactly the same thing. Now, it's a different division. It's a different, you know, it's not black versus white in China. It's the, uh, it's a different oppressors and oppressed. It's like the intellectuals uh, against the, uh, the workers, right? But you see the same thing where they're proselytizing their, their original sin uh, and the, the mob is just yelling obscenities at them, screaming, and they have no choice but to say, I'm an anti-revolutionary. I'm so guilty. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. These struggle sessions were just part of breaking down people's, uh, you know, thinking, demoralizing the, the, the citizens, using them as examples. Because you see people being attacked by a mob uh, of Black Lives Matter protesters. And we've seen this multiple times last year. And they're forced to apologize for their whiteness or, or take a knee or any other... Rid- Your fist up in the air or whatever it is, yeah. Yeah, any other ridiculous symbol of, um, you know, <laughs> their, their racism or whatever it is. Um, you, you know, you saw the same thing in China. And it, when you see that as an individual, you're scared. You don't want that to happen to you. You don't want the mob to come after you. So people start complying. Uh, you know, people start complying out of fear. And this is how they've done it. This is one of these, another one of these examples. And, you know, you can go back and look, again, to look back in history, the Communist Workers' Party in America in the 1920s, I, I think it was in the 1930s, they published a handbook called The Negroes in a Soviet America. And they laid out this plan to use black Americans to cause a communist revolution in the South. They actually wanted a proletarian revolution using race division in, in America. Uh, and in the 1960s, a lot of the civil rights movements, and, and I don't want to, people to confuse this with me saying that this wasn't good. Like the, Obviously, the civil rights movement of having equal treatment among races is a moral and just cause and absolutely necessary. But many of the civil rights movements in that era were funded directly by the Soviet Union and the Chinese Communist parties. Wow. And you, you can, there's a great researcher named Trevor Loudon is a fantastic researcher. Uh, he's, he's New Zealander. Uh, it, late last year, he uncovered you know, undeniable evidence that many of the Black Lives Matter protests last year were funded directly by communist organizations either in America and some of them were even tied to, to China. So it's the same thing that happened in the 1960s. They're fanning the flames of hatred, causing people to divide themselves uh, among the oppressors and the oppressed. And then censoring the other side. I mean, censoring anybody that questions that or censoring or deplatforming now, anybody that questions the narrative. Exactly. Even exactly. with COVID. I mean, anybody that talks about natural healing and building up your immunity with vitamin D instead of a vaccine. I mean, it's getting that bad. One thing that I wanted to hit on before we go, um, unless you want to just shuffle me out the door and stop. No, 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 keep on. Is we haven't talked about the CCP. Yeah, like we, yeah. we haven't talked about the tip of the spear of all of this, which is the Chinese Communist Party. 
Like the, the Chinese Communist Party has taken over the role of the Soviet Union as the driving force to make the world follow this, this evil cult, right? And you, know, you, can, you can see through the history of the CCP um, and also what is still going on today in China as an example of the just pure evil that this thinking brings and this ideology brings. Today in China, people are, there's obviously still labor camps, there's still forced prison labor. There's all those things that the, the Nazis were admonished over and that we look back on the Soviet system and say, how ghastly. That is still happening in China today. But with to a, sorry, say again. With the Uyghurs? The Uyghurs, Christians, Falun Gong practitioners, uh, anyone opposed to the state in any form, political prisoners, uh, torture and labor camps is the norm. And we are now seeing a level of evil that the world has, in fact, never seen before. Like that no civilization has committed the atrocities that the CCP are committing, where they are taking live organs from political prisoners, Uyghurs and Falun Gong practitioners predominantly, but others as well, where we now have very clear information from whistleblowers, doctors stepping forward who are a part of this, that there is a system that's been installed for, I think it's over a decade now this has been running, where there is an underground black market for organs, you know, for kidneys, for hearts, corneas, you name it. There is a black market for it and they, thousands, it's thousands and thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars for a healthy organ. The reason this was discovered is because the official numbers on China's, uh, like you know how when you get your passport or something or your driver's license, you got to fill out a form that you're an organ donor. Mm-hmm. Like, we have those statistics for China, and the number of organ transplants far outstripped the amount of organ donors. So international human rights observers were like, "What? What's going on? Where? Where are they getting these organs from?" And what? started to be discovered, uh, you know, there's some, Ethan Goodman did a in-depth uh, report and wrote a couple of books on this called The Slaughter. What was discovered is that political prisoners, Falun Gong practitioners, and now Uyghurs were being harvested for their organs. So essentially taken aside, their blood work is done, they, you know, their, their health is kind of categorized in a national database. When a high-ranking member of the CCP or maybe uh, someone from another country that's closely allied with China, some high-ranking rich person or whatever needs a, a new... the Alibaba guy. That's what happened to him. Who was that? The Alibaba guy is probably lying in a bathtub full of ice someplace. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. If they need a new kidney, for example, they just look up the database. Oh, here we go. We've got a fresh one here. They get that prisoner. And while they're alive, they take out the organ. Wow. Now, now that organ is then shipped immediately to that person. They pay tens of thousands of dollars and you get organ on demand. That is the current system that is running under the CCP. It is the most disgusting, evil atrocity I think we could, we could say we've ever seen in the world. I mean, we have protests about that in Calgary, not in the winter because it's too cold. But like all spring, all summer on the edge of Chinatown, there's people that sit there in their poses with the sign there that talks about the illegal Chinese um, organ harvesting. I've seen it here for the last 10 or 15 years in in Calgary, Alberta, about that exact topic. It is the most 
evil, hideous thing you could ever hear about. Because we now have doctors, like there's one doctor who came forward uh, who was uh, working in the Chinese um, military hospital. And he told the story of how he kept doing these um, heart transplants. And, you, you know, you don't ask questions of where the person's coming from, like where the cadavers come from until uh, he started doing them. And one, he started to remove the heart. Like he actually started the incision on the uh, donor and the, he realized the guy was still alive. And that's when he, he realized that uh, these people are actually alive. And like, where are they? he started to question, like, where are they coming from? And, and they were either Uyghurs or Falun Gong practitioners. Uh, there's stories now coming out where you either have relatives of doctors or the doctors themselves. There was one I read the other day where they were just harvesting corneas from Falun Gong practitioners, just as they're alive, strapping them down to a table, you know, sedating them and taking out their eyeballs. Uh, the, the whistleblower said after that they were killed and their corpses were thrown in a dumpster. You know, it sounds like a, a horrific horror show kind of movie kind of thing, but this has been investigated by human rights lawyers. There was an uh, independent citizen tribunal in London last year where they had, uh, you know, I can't remember his name, Jeffrey Neese, the guy that uh, basically prosecuted Milosevic for crimes against humanity. He was uh, the head of this tribunal. And an, a, a civil, civil tribunal is basically uh, a civil court where the, the individuals um, take a kind of uh, bipartisan view of the issue and then try and make a ruling of it. Uh, and they put their reputations on the line because if it turns out that they were incorrect, it, you know, it makes them look incompetent and so, so on and so forth. But essentially after a period of two weeks, they evaluated all the evidence. And they said, you know, this is, this is absolutely happening. It's still going on today. And this is a billion dollar industry, a billion dollar black market in China wow. of on-demand orders. Now, Ethan Goodman, who wrote the book uh, on the, the slaughter, the last time I spoke to him, he was looking at the Uyghur situation and he, you know, he was like, even though he'd been covering this stuff for nearly a decade, he was blown away by some of the information he was getting where Uyghurs who are just being rounded up and sent to labor camps on the way in, the information he was getting is that they go into a kind of um, like a tent or a room and they basically get a physical. Like they get uh, their blood taken, they get checked for their health. And it's like, why are you checking the, why are people that are going into a labor camp getting a physical and getting their DNA taken? Like, what, what is this all for? And he started to realize it's because they're being cataloged. Yeah. You know, yeah. So they're going into a database so they can check what kind of health status they have and whether their organs are viable for harvest. A, a Falun Gong practitioner who eventually escaped to uh, Australia, Jennifer Zeng, who I met in Sydney years ago, actually, she, um, she tells this story of how when she was first arrested, because of course Falun Gong was banned in 1999 in China and you could be thrown into a prison or labor camp just for you know, believing in, in truth and compassion and tolerance, which is what they follow. Uh, she said as she was being processed and brought into this um, labor camp, same thing. They started to take her blood and do a physical on her. And she's like, what are they doing this for? And the doctor asked her or the, the military guy asked her a question about her health history. And she, she actually, I think she had um, either diabetes or some kind of blood issue. And she said as soon as she told them that, she got directed to another part of the compound. Like she, she actually believes that saved her life. Yeah, yeah. She had a blood problem. 
saved her life because eventually she made it out of the labor camp after being tortured. But she thinks back to that moment and now she realizes they didn't want that. Yeah. They didn't want me because I had a blood issue. Like they were going to, you know, chop me up and put me on the black market. This is one of my favorite chats of all time. I mean, it's been mind boggling. Thanks, guys. It was fun just looking at you for nearly three hours. <laughs> yeah, I love how much research you've done and how how knowledgeable you are about everything. I mean, even on your normal show, too, and then you just take it to another level here. I mean, I do want to just lighten things up for two minutes and t- tell you how I found you yeah, like 13 sure. years ago. So I took this course in the mid-90s on UFOs in a college. I thought, I thought you'd kind of appreciate this whole thing. Huh. There was like, I was like, wow, there's a course in the mid nineties. Cause I, you know, I came back to, to Canada after traveling around Europe and the Middle East and I had that sighting and I was following UFO, ufology a little bit there. Took this course about 15 years after that, I was doing, I just had my, a little painting company and I was, I was back into UFOs. I'd kind of left it for a while. So I was listening to these shitty UFO podcasts, probably like blog talk radio kind of stuff. I mean, I was just getting into podcasts probably 2000. And this was actually, it was right. It was close to when you came, came out again as MU, like when you started this version of your MU. So I'm trying to remember if that was like 2009, maybe. Yeah. 2009. Yeah. Yeah. So I had this thought for a couple of days. I thought of the, the teacher, the UFO teacher. This teacher, I was like, kept thinking about the teacher. And I think I even went and got my binder and I looked through the binder that, that I had my, my book work. And I'm like, I kept thinking about this teacher. And I went to Starbucks the day after. And didn't I bump? And I'm in the North Vancouver, a different city altogether. Yeah. And I'm working in North Vancouver. And I knew the class was in New West. It was even a different city than that. And I, and I see this teacher in the Starbucks. And I'm like, this, there he is. And I'm thinking, do I go talk to him? So I thought, you know what? I'm going to go talk to the guy. And I, I'm like, hey, I, I, and of course, I made the mistake of explaining a little too much. I'm like, hey, I was just thinking about you the other day. <laughs> and here you are. I took your course on, on UFOs in the mid-90s. And he looks at me like I'm crazy. And I think, you, you know, you, you taught that course, right? And in, in the 90s, he's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, are you still interested in all that stuff? And I'm trying to, to make, I, you know, I should have just been a little more subtle and just said, Hey, how you doing? I remember you, you were my teacher in this course, but <laughs> I was pretty excited about the synchronicity that's happening. Yeah. And uh, he's like, no, you know, I, I don't really follow it much anymore. I, I just follow Ben Grundy. <laughs> what? I didn't. So like I made a note, I think I made a mental note of it. And then I searched Ben Grundy and I found uh I found Mysterious Universe. I'm like, oh my God, this is an amazing podcast. <laughs> and uh, I think you mentioned y- your show or your podcast or something. And uh, and then, of course, like everything went, you know, crazy from there. I mean, because I found out with people like yourself or Dan Carlin or Alex Sakaris, you could actually communicate with the people that are putting out this information. And you would yeah. email back or, you yeah. know, then I started leaving voicemails on your, on your thing and, and uh, yeah, then passing you on to Darren. So. Yeah. And then I met, I met uh, RPJ in the mysterious universe chats yeah. or comment section of the thing, which led to eventually him creating the logo for the show and then never talking to us again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, let's see. Maybe we can talk about that off air. <laughs> That's yeah, all. Yeah. It's- yeah. So yeah, there it is. That's the uh, the synchronicity about the UFOs. When he said my name, did he have like a glisten in his eye? And yeah, oh yeah, totally. He was like my guru. 
my my guru Grundy. <laughs> Did he like do a little cross on his heart? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's a great story. <sighs> Absolutely. Well, I'm well, so ben, had me on. Yeah, thanks for letting me rant at, at you for such a long time. And oh, fantastic. <laughs> no, no, we appreciate it. You've been on our wish list for a long, long time, so we're happy to have you on, and uh, and we're happy to do it again sometime, and I can't wait to hear the new show and keep fighting the good fight. Yeah, for those of you out there who want to get info on a new show that will be coming soon, just follow me on Twitter, at Benjamin Grundy, and I'll, uh, you know, I'll just let people know there where to find it and when it's coming out. And Come and listen to us on Mysterious Universe if you want some of that good metaphysical weirdness and fun. Mysterious Universe. Put together so well, you guys have to check it out. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thanks, buddy. Okay, Ben. Have a good day. All right, thanks for listening, guys. We hope you enjoyed our chat with Ben Grundy. I mean, I, I got to say, if you're if you're listening to the free show here, we love you. We love that you listen. We appreciate it. Tell your friends about the show. We hope you love that that chat with Ben. If there was ever a podcast that was going to be worth that, that second half, this is it. Dude, I tried to ask some difficult questions, and I thought, I don't even know if I should be asking this. Like, I don't even Boom. know what the question mm-hmm. is, and he nailed him. I mean, we're talking, like, the divine influence of communism and this dark sort of the occult side of Marxism, you know, and 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 some of, you know, Marx being possessed by demons and secret societies, societies in the occult, occult part of this. And then, oh, my God, the China part getting into the fallen gong and the organ harvesting, then going deeper into that and the tech secrets. And like, I mean, he has books, he's referencing books and a bunch of researchers along the way. Did I send you the email with all the links? No, no. Oh, that's fantastic. I downloaded all the links. He sent the links to a bunch of stuff we talked about. I don't have to go through it all myself. We also get into like the struggle sessions in China and Alinsky and the rules for radicalism and the Lucifer thanking Lucifer and, Oh, dude. I mean, it gets, it gets, uh, it gets crazy. I could very much see us doing another one of these a couple months down the road. I mean, it sounds like Ben's getting ready to start up another project and he might be looking to do some training here yeah. and there. So, I mean, yeah, practice in America. Absolutely. We love to be a training ground for stuff like that. Like I say, I think you guys are going to have, uh, I think you probably had a hard time believing this is his first time doing that. Yeah. You're gonna, And the doesn't let up at all. It just keeps getting better in the second half. We love you. Thanks for listening. Check out the Mysterious Universe podcast. We will let you know when Ben starts up his new his new show to address all this sorts of stuff directly. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Teach me all your secrets to get a good handle on a better way to live. How does one get out of bed every day in the throes of the apocalypse? Should I bury my head in the sand or sabotage their evil plan? I feel really trapped, an ant burned by a magnifying glass. It's all a little bit too convenient, all the evidence went up in flames. Phonies, fraudsters, scammers belong in the slammer, my friend best give up their names. Should I call on militia man? Or pass out a petition pen. I feel really trapped. An ant burned by a magnifying glass. I don't know a 
what y'all been told, but I got a soul made out of gold. Sound off, one, two, sound off, three, four, cadence count, one, two, a three, four. Some time ago, a crazy dream came to me. I dreamt I was walking into World War Three. As prophetic as humanity, as aching bones, as frantic animals. Sophia rode it down, built an ark, now she floats it down the river in the dark. As prophetic as deja vu. Thoughts for the life of me over the din of a bruised and broken culture. The media spins and splatters and spins and clatters and I cringe because it's psychological warfare. Don't you feel yourself getting really mad? How did we let it get this bad? Don't you feel really trapped like a brain in a vat? to close Pandora's box, but sirens are singing me off a cliff. I'm looking to hitchhike to Shangri-La over yonder. Sophia, would you give me a lift? Hopped out of the Hegelian Rebellion. Say goodbye to all you Machiavellians. Let evil destroy itself. I'm bound for Shangri-La. Shangri-La. My dream if I could be in yours As prophetic As morning doves As groundhogs As fallen stars above Sophia wrote it down Built an ark Now we're floating it down A river dark As prophetic As white wolves As butterflies As rainbows Sophia sings a plane, now we're taking flight above a river bright. Sophia sings it now.
Shangri-La, la 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 Shangri-La.